Hello, I'm Heather Barnes, food and product photographer and storyteller behind the lens. Our Austin-based team is all about visual solutions. For your brand, it's essential for your product to be memorable and have stickiness. Our clients like Ghirardelli, Tiff Streets, and Nanamu choose our photography to develop positive associations with their brand. They call our work inspiring because it moves consumers into a relationship with their company. And we can do the same for you. Learn more today at heatherbarnes.com. Focused on you, your story, and your success with memorable photography garnished with love. And welcome back to Success Made to Last. I'm Rick Tokini. This is our Author's Corner. And this show is presented by Grace Fillier's Greeting Cards, along with Heather Barnes Media and Play Audio. And our very special guest today is author Champ Thornton, PhD. He is an acquisitions editor. He and his wife, Robin, live in Newark, Delaware, and have been married since 1996. And he's a parent of uh, three teenage children, author of lots of different books, including The Radical Book for Kids. And why do we say thank you? Well, I love that. Uh, and the book we're talking about today is You Count, a five senses countdown to calm. Champ, welcome to our show. Rick, it's great to be on with you today. Thanks for having me on your show. Nice to have you on. Uh, you have uh, gotten this beautiful book, You Count, published by, uh, looks like B&H Books, came out uh, last summer, to my recollection. Mm -hmm. I like the book. I'm a grandparent uh, and a parent. It's an interactive board book that I think helps us teach our kids and grandkids kind of the 54321 anxiety coping method. Why did you write this book, Champ, and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Back during COVID, I was thinking as a children's author, what are some of the needs right now that parents and families are facing? So I reached out to a couple friends of mine who are counselors who work with children, and one of them wrote back and said, we're seeing a lot of anxiety. And of course, the time has gone on that seems to be something that uh, is becoming just like widespread knowledge. Like this has been a time of a lot of anxiety and depression, even with children. And one of the methods that this counselor uses with her children is to help them get a grip on their inside world by first helping them get a little grip on their outside world. And the way they do that is with a grounding technique that you mentioned, the 54321 grounding method, where basically you're just asking the child to observe what are five things in the room around them that they can see, and then four things that they can hear, and three things that they can touch, and two things they can smell, and one thing that they can taste. And then when they get down to that state, then you're able to talk to them a little bit more, and it gives some good interaction along the way. So getting that input from a counselor, I thought this is got all the makings of a children's book. And then that was a few years ago. And so launched off into that multi-year journey of writing this little book. I loved it. And um, we happened to have interviewed uh, Mike Berenstain, Stan and Jan's son. Hmm. The, your book reminds me a lot in spirit of their series that I know has sold 350 million books worldwide. Hmm. And here in your book, the toddlers and the preschoolers follow this upset baby bear through his daily routine. And he's guided by his mama. 
to focus on his senses hmm. uh, that God has given him. And um, I want you to describe, if you can, that five, four, three, two, one anxiety coping method without giving away the book, because I want to make sure people buy your book. You count. Sure. Well, yeah, there's uh, there are bears in this story, so they're not the the Berenstain bears, but they are they are bears nonetheless. Uh, so baby bear wakes up and baby bear is distraught for some reason, maybe a disturbing dream. Some anxiety, some just troubled thoughts, and Mama Bear just says, "It's okay. I'm right here. You know, take your time. You just breathe." And then starts to go into the uh, the five, four, three, two, one countdown. And it's written in rhyme, and it's a little bit fun. And there's, uh, as they call them, Easter eggs on the page that little kids can discover for themselves as we go page to page. This isn't a book to be hurried through, but it's a tool for parents, a resource for parents to use with their little ones to uh, just talk about and process what are they thinking, what are they feeling, and uh, slowly walk through those five steps using the five senses that God has given us. And then uh, the book transitions from there to talk uh, not just about the fact that the baby bear has now counted five to one, but uh, that emotions count to mom. The baby bear counts to, to mom. And not only that, but then God's in the picture as well. We can talk about that. Yeah, I just I love the calming effect of this. And um, we actually um, did a little trial on our two year old uh, grandson the other day on using the five senses. And it is it is such a calming. Hmm. Not that he needed to be calmed down because he's a good kid, but this is such a calming, focused approach. And I just I just loved it. Talk about that decision to use a bear is the main character. Yeah, well, in some ways, you want this book to be as widely helpful to kids as possible. And sometimes when you make a decision, oh, it's going to be a little girl who is being talked to by her mom or her dad, then you've made a choice of gender and maybe a little boy who is also struggling with emotions would not find it as uh, applicable or vice versa. If it's a little boy, then maybe a little girl would think, oh, that's for boys. But when you go with a bear, you kind of avoid that whole uh, issue. And so it's a way, hopefully, of bringing that problem closer to home, whether uh, someone's a little boy or a little girl. Yeah, you bet. One of the things that we do here, Champ, at Success Made to Last is we focus on um, fatherhood. And if anyone ever goes to our website, successmadetolast.com, and sees our causes, you'll see a section there about fatherhood.org. And I'm wondering about how you think this book may help fathers cope with their own emotions as, you know, they're kind of hyper-stressed out today and trying to keep their emotions of their children intact. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that technique is, can be useful for, you know, any age and, you know, that's, I'm not a therapist, but my understanding is that this is something that can be used whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. And in many ways, this, it's a coping mechanism, not a cure mechanism, right? It's, it's a, it's a bridge. It's a way of, uh, I mean, we, as, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to say, okay, what, what does God say is true? Uh, what promises has he made to us about caring for us and providing for us? And uh, if you think about even uh, the famous first question of the Heidelberg Catechism, what is our only hope in life and death? And it's that we are not our own, but belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So, you know, we would love to be able to think about those, but honestly, sometimes our minds can be so 
kind of wrapped around the axle. Uh, it can be so wrought up mm. and full of anxiety or maybe depression, full of darkness that uh, even the thought of, oh, I need to think correctly feels almost too too much. And so uh, this is a bridge. It's a bridge to be able to say, all right, I want to get there. I want to get to the promises of God. I want to get to the character of God. I want to get to all those things that I have because of Christ, uh, but uh, helping my emotions get there. So then I can focus on who is God and what has he done for me in Christ. Amen to that. Why should you count land in um, either vacation Bible school curriculum or everyday curriculum for Sunday school and much less teaching at home from grandparents and parents? Well, Going back to the bears a minute, not only uh, is it helpful whether it's a boy or a girl, but I mean, it's just cute, right? I mean, I didn't do the illustrations, uh, so I can say this uh, unqualifiedly. That what great drawings throughout this book. They're just adorable. So I think that you know any class or family or group of kids, this is going to find uh, a welcome home, and it's great for them because it, it's really fun to read uh, and to look at. The pictures are just fantastic. But I think more than that, it's not just a book that talks about some you know practical advice, but it's practical advice paired with biblical counsel. And wow, I mean, we really—that's what we want to bring to our kids, right? We want to raise them as whole people. So I like to think of it this way, Rick: when we talk about our kids, we want to teach them not only that Jesus is our Savior, which we absolutely do. That's in the Bible. It is our only hope. At the same time, Jesus is also Creator. So I mean. The reason we like pizza and ice cream and cotton candy and roller coasters is because those all come from the brilliant and creative mind of our God. And I want to keep those things connected, that he is creator and savior. And one day in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, he those two areas, of, as, you, as it were, what we have in Christ and what we have in this world will come together and everything will be made new. So we're wanting to pull those things together even now. And so not only does it give biblical counsel about who God is and what we can trust him for, but it also talks about what we have as human beings in the bodies that he's made for us. And that would be our emotions and that would be our five senses as well. Yeah, beautifully said. I remember my mom taught us, um, we would come out of Bible class or whatever it was, catechism back then in the 60s, mm. and she would still be a sensory mom and say, you know, of all the stuff that you learn, just don't forget that you've that God gave you two ears and one mouth. Try to remember that ratio as you get older. <laughs> I've never heard that advice. Uh, I, I promise you. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> hey, I've got a, a question for you from a publishing perspective, and we got Sure. We always have lots of authors on here. Some days, sometimes we talk about how do you test your material. And here you are, a dad of teenagers. You can't test this material on them anymore, really. Or maybe you can't. How did you test the, this material with uh, with pre-K to make sure that they got it and that they responded to the b beautiful illustrations of your collaborator? Well, there's no testing like testing, right? So it's... Uh... The kind of thing where uh, none of us is as smart as all of us. And so I wanted to be able to bring in other eyes, other perspectives, and get that kind of feedback. And so we have friends, my wife and I, who have little ones at this age. And so uh, they're all the time sitting on the couch with their little ones and reading books like this. And uh, some of them actually are... Um, 
children's book aficionados, as it were. They, they're experts. And so to be able to have them say, okay, this line worked for me, or this stanza was a little confusing, or what about this? Or could this be misunderstood? Or this illustration, it looks a little maybe like something you don't intend. Can you change that? And so to have that kind of just on, honest feedback is just so wonderful. Um, and then uh, my editor at B&H Kids, Lauren, uh, was fantastic. We worked on the just the words of this book back and forth for, oh man, almost a year, I would say. And there are alternate stanzas in, in that didn't make it into the book. <laughs> maybe the stanza about the, the, the five things you can see that there's probably five, six, seven, eight of ones we didn't use that are just sitting there. And so we really tried to make it uh, as refined as possible. And when you're dealing with a book that's only, what, 300, 400 words long at most, uh, you want to make not only every word count, you want to make every syllable count. And that's what we aimed to do. And nothing ever comes out perfect, but you certainly can work at it. And that's what we tried to do and have lots of eyes looking at it, for which I'm grateful. Yeah, you bet. I think the big question for young parents and grandparents out there is how far do we stretch the vocabulary of our youngsters? Now, do you have a comment on that? So I typically think kids can handle things a lot more, much easier than we think. Like their, their ability to comprehend is really high. Typically I have found that the reason kids don't track with what we're saying is not because of their receptors. It's because of our transmitter. You know, it's, we have not adequately understood the complexity of what we're trying to say so that now we can state it simply. Instead, we're trying to say something and it's still a little complicated and therefore our kids are having trouble tracking. So, I mean, are there exceptions? Yes, yes. I'm speaking in very high level generalities, but I do think if we're having trouble with our kids understanding, we may want to go back and think, okay, do I know this well enough myself? Yeah, very good. I, I appreciate the care that you and your editor have taken with this particular book. And I think I can tell this, the vocabulary stretch that authors like you are making over the course of time, but you're doing it carefully. You're not using the word whimsical yet. But yeah, I mean, vocabulary words are tricky because a lot of times the way we learn words is we learn them in context, right? I mean, there's dictionaries didn't fall out of the sky. Dictionaries just reflect the way words are used. That's why we have like, you know, words of the year and new words added to the dictionary every year because it, new words come into common parlance and old words fall out. And so when we talk about words, what gives a word meaning is it's... Um, Context. So if I said to you, so I watched a baseball game last night. If I said, I went to the baseball park and I hit the ball with the, and then I made up a word, you know, the leaf doodle or whatever, um, you would have enough information in what I said in context to know what in the world a leaf doodle was, or at least have an idea. Maybe it was something like a baseball bat. Maybe it was. Um, something that he just made up, but uh, it, it, rem it reminds me like he would swing it like a baseball bat because it's hitting a baseball and it's in a baseball park. So I do think like a lot of times the way we teach vocabulary is not to just use simple words, but it's to use slightly more complex words in contexts and situations that kids are already familiar with. And that's education. That's right. And Champ, if you ever do that, I'm going to interview you again as Theodore. Champ, 
Zeus, Thornton, <laughs> and, and ask you specifically about what what was the name of that bat that you were using when you hit the ball. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, Champ, tell us where we can purchase your book. Yeah, they're on Amazon. You can also find my books all in one place on my website, which is Champ Thornton. There's an N in the middle, thornton.com. Very good. And we will be right back after this message from Gracefully Yours Greeting Cards. Hi, this is Carla from Gracefully Yours Greeting Cards. We are Texas Aggies, but base our publishing headquarters in Austin, Texas. I want to let you in on a little secret about greeting cards and the people that write them. We really have a sense of humor, and we love to encourage others. We talk like we write, with a few words that matter the most, and we try to avoid cliches. You will enjoy sending these popular cards that feature eagles and hummingbirds from Alabama's Larry Martin, along with some of the prettiest flowers. Each unique card says something witty and inspiring. What's different about us? It's our incredible artist, combined with the passion translation. Here's an example of how the passion inspires. You have supercharged my life so that I can soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. From Psalm 103. We publish greeting cards in convenient 12-packs. It's like having a card shop in your own home. So every time you need a card, you have them handy. So visit gracefully-yours.com to buy greeting cards where art and message connect to your heart. And we are back with Champ Thornton, our special guest today on Success Made to Last, Author's Corner. His book is You Count. Go buy it today. It's a gift that can be given all year long from our perspective. All right, so on the back half of the show, we always ask some deeper philosophical questions, and um, I can I can pretty much surmise what some of these answers will be already. But let's let's start with this one. Um, who has contributed to you as a storyteller? Name one teacher, favorite teacher that you think really shaped your storytelling ability. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had so many teachers through the years, it'd be hard to narrow down which one. I mean, I wasn't into writing like this when I was in high school or college. This was a kind of a late in life thing, but books have always been my friend. And my mom is my first teacher and she would read to me before I could read. I would, I was told, I'm told, bring to her huge armfuls of illustrated books to read. And she would sit on the couch with me and stack after stack after stack. And everything from Frog and Toad to um, the Berenstain Bears to Dr. Seuss uh, to Marie Sendak, where the wild things are. I mean, just book after book, all sorts of books. And then when I got a little older and I could read on my own, there's Roald Dahl and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Hardy Boy books and you know just so many books that are uh, either known and received you know in this generation or in previous generations. So have always loved uh, good books like that. And even in my office here, I'm, I've got a degree in theology and a lot of my books have to do with the Bible and theology, but there's like three shelves over here that are just crammed with kids' books, my kids' books from when I was a kid. And so I'm so thankful for my mom and uh, her influence on my life. What a great tribute. Thank you for that. Here's to your mom. Um, we have been studying epiphanies here. And some days we call them divine thunderbolts. 
And other days we call them headaches because why would we have thought of that and why are we chasing it? But I would like for you to comment on your last divine thunderbolt that hit you. And then the back half of the question is, how can we speed up epiphanies? Hmm. So let me start with the last half because I'm still thinking about the first half. Okay. Okay. Um, so in many ways, what we see in scripture are occasional times when the fire falls and the lightning strikes, and we see a lot of everyday faithfulness. And those two things are not unrelated. So I love the analogy that a friend of mine has used that, we should, as Christians, go into the woods every day, this is metaphorical, uh, and chop down wood, chop down trees and bring stacks of wood into our home and stack them in the fireplace. And what he's talking about is regular, faithful time in the Word of God. And, you know, sometimes it just looks like hard work and lots of sweat and hassle and you're tired, but we still, every day, we go into the woods and we work and we seek and we bring the wood in and we stack it up and we pray for God to light the fire. And, you know, often he does. And sometimes that often is when we go through times of difficulty and we go through seasons of darkness, Jesus meets us in our suffering. And so there are times when those lightning strikes come, not when we have the next greatest idea, but when we're just hanging on and he knows where we are and he brings us uh the light that we need. And, you know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, sometimes you kind of wonder, like, my faith is so weak. I'm kind of hanging by my fingernails onto the cliff edge of faith. Mm -hmm. And I love what someone has said that, you know, even a spark uh, of light shows that not everything is night. And so as a Christian, sometimes all we have is a little flicker of trust in Jesus and he says, you know, that's enough because my hope is not in how strong I believe, but in how strong my Savior is in whom I believe. And so uh, I'm a big advocate of stacking the wood in the fireplace. And then we just seek the Lord and we say, Lord, send that epiphany, send that fire. Yeah, that puts things into wonderful perspective. And how about that last divine thunderbolt that you've had? When we talk about God's word, one of my favorite places is the book of Psalms. And I love how honest the Psalms are. I love how the Psalms, uh, sometimes it'll just say, like, life is really, really hard. And God, you seem like you're not keeping your promises. Where are you? Uh, and yet, almost in every Psalm, the Psalms will turn back to the Lord. And what's so astounding is that God gives us these words of complaint. He says, here, here are the words you can say to me. And they're pretty audacious words, words we might not ever come up with on our own or think were appropriate. He gives those to us. How long, O oh Lord? Where are you? Why, is, why are you not hearing my cry? I cry to you day and night. Uh, I'm, you know, my pillow is getting wet with tears. Where, where are you? Uh, and then there's one Psalm, Psalm 88, that someone has called the basement of the Psalms, and it doesn't ever come back out. It, it basically says, I belong to you. I trust in you. And I am like one who's dead. And so I feel like when we go to a psalm like that, or any of the psalms of lament, as they're called, we find, and I have found personally, that when we go through difficult times, that Jesus meets us there. And he, we understand by reading the psalms just how much he understands what we're going through. And that's such an epiphany. It really is. To be met. I think it's beautiful. 
Um, okay, last question for you, sir, is this one. What seeds have you planted that you will n- never see harvested? Probably most of them, right? Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, we, we just are responsible for the sowing. And uh, like Paul says in the New Testament, uh, you know, this guy did work and I did work and someone else did work. We all sowed and God gave the increase. So, yeah, hard to say like what percentage, uh, but he knows and we trust him. I know with writing books, it's kind of a joke. It's sort of like it, there's some analogies to sending a kid off to college uh, because, you know, you, you pour your life into these books, right? They're they're almost like your children. You know, you, you just you blood and sweat and tears and commitment and hours and frustration and love. And finally, the day comes. And it's rejoicing and it's terrifying. And you send your child the book out into the world and then they never call and they never write and you don't know how they're doing. So that's kind of how <laughs> things are sometimes with books. So how, who knows how those seeds that have been planted uh, are going to come to harvest, especially when it comes to books. What a transparent answer. I love that, Champ. Okay, his name is Champ Thornton. His book is You Count, A Five Senses Countdown to Calm. Read his other books, though, too. The Radical Book for Kids, Why Do We Say Thank You, Learning to Be Grateful. It was a pleasure having you on. You're welcome back anytime. It doesn't take a a book introduction to welcome you back, okay? Rick, that's great. Thanks so much. I've enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you having me on today. You bet. Thank you. That was uh, Champ Thornton. Love his book, You Count. I'm using it as a grandfather. What else do you want to know? I mean, we're... We get uh, hundreds of books across our desk every year, and we're choosy about what books we read to our grandchildren. So this is a good one. Hey, we appreciate everyone joining us today. And as always, we wish you a successful life, but on your way to significance. Have a good week.